Jesus will begin the long, slow journey to Jerusalem. His disciples, the ones he's chosen to follow him, are entering a new phase. And this phase of their relationship with Jesus is a transition from being a friend, a companion, a colleague, to being a disciple. This is the first time that they actively engage in Jesus' shared ministry. And this is a ministry empowered by the Spirit of Jesus directly. And that's important. You see, Jesus is not with them in this phase. They go out, they minister, and Jesus is not with them in person. But he is with them in spirit, and I think that is really important. They're given two things in preparation for their mission. Power and authority. And the power is of Jesus Christ. And the authority is of Jesus Christ. And there's no fraction to it. There's no kind of measuring it out. Well, you, you're going to get one twenty-five hundredth of a percent of Jesus' power, and, and you'll go out and do some things. And, and they won't be nearly as impressive as Jesus, but hope for the best. And you, we're going to give you, um, let's say, one five thousandth of a percent of the power of Jesus. And, and you go out and, and, and just, you know, do what you can. doesn't work like that. The disciples go out and they are invested with a hundred percent of the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Unfiltered. Unmediated. There's a point. There's a focus. There's always a focus to what Jesus does. And here the point is big. It's a big point. It's to proclaim the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? You know, we talk a lot about the kingdom. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Matthew gives us a hint when he's talking about John the Baptist because John the Baptist had gone out and he said, prepare for the kingdom of heaven, prepare for the kingdom of God. He is coming. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. The kingdom is coming, and John means to say, Jesus is coming. He is the kingdom. 
He folds all of it into himself, and from it, all of the kingdom expands. It's a mind-blowing concept to think that in this human being who lived on earth, the kingdom of heaven was living in him. And at the same time, the power and authority were coming out of him and going all over the world. It is a story that continues to this day 2,000-odd years later. And so we can metaphorize the kingdom. We can allegorize the kingdom. We can use fancy words to describe what it's like. And Jesus certainly spoke a lot about the kingdom. But if there's ever any doubt in your mind, if there's ever, ever any confusion or uncertainty, remember it is Jesus is the kingdom. And sometimes that's all we need to know. <laughs> So the disciples aren't going out and saying, hey chaps, I'm with this guy Jesus and boy, isn't he great. He can teach you how to live your best life, how to live a long and productive and happy life, how to lead a good business, how to make lots of money, how to have good relationships, just follow his teachings and you'll be okay. They don't do that. Instead, they go out invested with the power, with the authority of Jesus Christ. And there's a difference. There's a difference between Jesus as the self-help guru and Jesus the cosmic life-changing force which is the kingdom of God. It's difficult because sometimes in church it's hard to believe in that kind of power. And it's not for lack of trying and it's not for lack of dutiful study of the scriptures and it's not for lack of goodwill. But it's just hard sometimes to believe in that power because some people haven't seen it. Or the difficulty we run into is in believing that only certain people are gifted enough or well-spoken enough or perfect enough to go out and witness and heal in Jesus' name. Let me just declare against that falsehood right now. Let me just speak openly against that right now and say that we are all called. We are all called to be disciples invested with 100% of the power and authority of Jesus Christ. All of us. You know, I've done my fair share of praying with people and doing street ministry. And I've learned you don't look for the dramatic result all the time. 
You don't look for the quick conversion. What you do look for is the power of Jesus' Spirit doing something in the room. We were praying in my other church once, my old church, and we were praying for this guy's leg. He'd been in a car accident years back. He'd had a couple surgeries, and the pain in his knee and in his ankle were just debilitating. He'd had surgery after surgery, and, and we were praying over that leg many times. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and, and nothing happened to that leg. And let me be clear, we have prayed for others and they have been healed physically. But for this person, his leg was not healed. The pain was still there, but something happened that I wasn't expecting. This man came back the next week and he said, you know, I was filled with the biggest sense of peace and calm that I've ever felt in my life. It was like I was just covered with this blanket of peace. And another person in the room spoke up and they said, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I felt the same thing. I wasn't going to say anything because your leg wasn't healed. And I thought, oh gosh, I feel quite bad. But I felt that sense of peace too. And guess what? Someone else spoke up. Said, you know what? I had that same sense. I wasn't going to say anything because we were all looking at your leg. (laughs) The Spirit of Jesus works in healing in his own way. He answers prayer, sometimes not in the way we expect because it's not controlled by us, this power, this authority. We're not the gatekeepers to Jesus' power. But when we give up our own expectations of what Jesus can do or should do, he often does the things maybe we were least expecting. And that's not a second best result. That is the power of God. And it points back to our creator. It reveals the kingdom of God at work, which is Jesus himself. And when we pray for healing, we're saying to Jesus, yes, I am opening my eyes and saying yes to whatever it is that you want to do. And oh yes, I've seen prayer ministers come back and say, I have been changed by the prayer that I was praying for this other person. My life has been transformed. I wasn't expecting that. the authority that Jesus gives his disciples is the other part of the story. The authority that Jesus gives his disciples is not an earned authority. It's not one that they have suddenly fully comprehended. It's not like they've mastered the scriptures, have fully clocked who Jesus is, who he is and what he's doing have had this vision of the kingdom of God and say, okay, Jesus, I got it from, you know, let me take it from here. They are a group of people wholly unprepared for what's going to happen. 
They are a group of people who really has only very little idea who Jesus is or what he's doing. And they have all of them their own hang-ups. And if you don't believe me, you can read the story about this group of people in a storm on a lake who didn't think it was possible for Jesus to have anything to do with or be able to have any effect on that situation. And yet Jesus chooses them and he says, you are the ones who are going to go out and practice in my power and in my authority. You're going to do ministry in my power and in my authority. And I'm giving that to you now. In one of my earlier talks, I spoke a lot about apostolic leadership, about what it's like to lead in the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking to empower as many people as possible, as many people as the Holy Spirit is going to send my way. And I know some of you will need coaxing and encouraging. That's okay. I'm patient. And I'm looking to include people who are not yet in this building today and maybe never have been in this building. That's not a danger, by the way. That's not something to be worried about because Jesus is going to make us one big family. Apostolic leadership is about trusting in Jesus' authority and power not our own. It's about trusting in his abilities, not our own. I know that there are some of us here who don't believe that that applies to us. We don't believe Jesus would invest his authority or his power in us. And maybe there are some of us who look at others and we say, well, he ain't going to invest his authority or power in that person. I can tell you that. That's where we see our biggest surprises, let me tell you. I always look for the Holy Spirit to be working in people whom we least expect to be leaders in church who seem furthest from the gospel truth because Jesus usually has a story to tell in that person. You know, oftentimes their faith journey is accelerated in a way that people like me who've been in the church for a long time find it difficult to move at that pace. They go from Holy Spirit experience to witnessing the power and authority of Jesus Christ being led to repentance, being led to faith, coming into discipleship, and then being sent out as leaders. It is powerful to see. And I hope and pray that we see that in this church family. It's good for us. That's part of my job here. And I have to tell you, I'm not interested in the worldly reputation of this church. I'm not interested in getting this church recognized. I'm not interested in getting us positive press. 
I'm not interested in the competition of which bath church is the best or the cleanest or the biggest. But I am interested, deeply interested in seeing Jesus's power and authority spread from this place into Lark Hall, into Swainswick and Woolley and in Bath. Amen. I want to encourage us to be real about the life that Jesus is calling us into. We need to seek out his confidence, his ability, and not our own. I believe when we start doing that, people will come. It may not look like traditional church. It may not look like people in the building as we saw over Christmas. But there is an aroma about it that you can't deny. You know, when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, there's, a, there's an aroma, there's a fragrance about Jesus when he's busy and operating and doing something. And you can detect it, you can sense it. And it draws people in all the time because it's attractive. People want it. They may not even know what it is and they smell it and they, they just want to be part of it. As a church, it requires us to lay down all aspirations That's in church life, it's in our work life, it's in our personal life, it's in our walk with Jesus Christ. To lay down all aspirations and to seek nothing but the kingdom of God. You know, when someone receives a knighthood, it's such a, a vivid demonstration of how power and authority are given to somebody. What does that person do? They get down on their knees in front of the monarch, in front of that authority. And they expose their most vulnerable parts of their body to that person, oftentimes with a sword. And the sharp edge of that sword comes down. And the person kneeling has no idea necessarily what that other person is going to do. And the sharp edge of that sword is just inches away from their neck. And they are completely vulnerable. Everything about it is about submission and obedience. It's showing with your whole person what attitude you are taking in relation to the authority above you. And you know, our submission to God is very much the same, except there's an important difference. As you're kneeling before your Father in heaven, ready, ready to be vulnerable, ready to accept His authority over your life, 
you will find something quite peculiar. All of a sudden, you will know that same God in Jesus Christ kneeling next to you, ready to carry you through, ready to help you hold that authority, ready to help you be obedient. And that is the difference. That is the life we're committed to. That's the calling that God has put on us individually, in our church life, in our personal life, in our home life. I believe this is the church that God is calling us to be here at St. Saviour's, in Bath, in the nation, in the world. A church on our knees, surrendering, submitting to the authority of Jesus and the power of Jesus in everything that we do. There's a word for that act. When you're knighted before your ruling monarch, it's called an accolade. I want to commend you. Let that be your accolade. Let that be what you are known for. Let that be what this church is known for. Amen? Amen. Amen.